last week we talked about the importance of petition. What we ask God for and how we ask Him for it. And this moves us on to the last part, which is the importance of perseverance. The importance of perseverance. It is something that you might have heard the word persevere. Uh, you may not have heard it in the Christian realm, but you may know what it means, of course. But to persevere, it means to, to continue in a state. Despite counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement. It comes from the Latin word, or it's a, two words. It's per, which means through the means of, and severus, which would mean strict or earnest. So through strict, through something severe and earnestly, you're continuing. And this is not just in the faith, but in, in prayer. And Jesus, of course, is showing the example today. Now, you may know someone personally that you can think of when you hear the word perseverance, when they persevered in the faith. Uh, we have an example this morning greatly of perseverance, but this morning I thought about the early settlers that came here to America. They persevered in the face of constant hardship and danger. Now, a lot of you, if you've studied history, you know the dangers that they, that, that they faced coming down on these ships and not really having much to, to show up to. But these pilgrims at Plymouth, they, uh, they lost half their number in the first winter to disease and hunger. I mean, there was a lot of deaths. But their perseverance paid off because within five years, their community was wealthy and healthy and self-sufficient. They continued, right? Because as Brother Leo was mentioning this morning, we tend to be a little impatient, right? We can sow some seeds and grow some corn and we don't have time to wait for it to grow so that we can pluck it and have something to eat. But let's just get in the car and go to H-E-B. Or we'll drive somewhere else and they already have it prepared and we buy it. And see, this is perseverance, being patient and waiting regardless of, of, of what things look like, of, of what they feel like, you continue. And what better example do we have right now than the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, right? Uh, earlier he said, my soul is weary even to the point of death. I mean, he was sweating drops uh, with blood and sweat mixed together. I mean, he was being tormented. He was being harassed in his mind, in his soul. But yet he still takes the time out in chapter 17 to pray for all of his disciples and to pray for those who were going to come to faith. Now, that is the great example of perseverance right there. And he didn't stop, but he persevered to the very end on that cross. So these pilgrims, of course, these Puritans, these people who came, what was it that helped them to persevere? It was their faith in God. It was their faith and trust in the God of the universe because their faith wasn't in a local H-E-B. Their faith wasn't in Walmart. Their faith wasn't in a, in a, a per se, a, a transit system. It was in nothing like that. It definitely wasn't in Amazon. Their faith was in God. They didn't know what the earth was going to be like when they showed up here, if it was going to be too rocky or if it was going to be good to, to uh, plant food. They knew nothing. They heard, 
And by faith, they trusted God and they came and they persevered. And that is a latter example for us because it wasn't too far uh, long ago. So what I want us to see by the end of all this is the importance of perseverance, continuing regardless how hard, how easy, perseverance, and that's going to bring about preservation. Preservation to keep us. And in verse 11 of John chapter 17, Jesus speaking, he said, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me, that they may be as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. So he is asking the Father to continue to guard them, to keep them carefully, to observe them, to watch them. Why? So that they could continue in the faith. Now he said, I myself have kept them while I have been here on the earth, and I haven't lost any except for one. That was Judas Iscariot. Why? So that the scriptures would be fulfilled. It had to happen. But if you notice something, he says, I have kept them what? In your name. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that name, that it doesn't just start with the name of Jesus, but it goes all the way back to the Old Testament when God said, I am that I am. And Jesus came and completed it and said, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it is in the name, and we've, we've hit on that before, that it's not just tagging that on at the end of a prayer or when we say something in the name of, but what it means is everything that the name consists of, you abide by it, you understand it, you follow it, you submit to it, all of that included. That's in the name of Christ. Now, earlier Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. You will not bear fruit. And so it's in your name. Jesus kept them in his name. And now he's saying, Father, keep them in your name. Now, remember John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, Jesus, of course, talking to them once again, said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So he clearly says no one can snatch them out of my hand. And he goes on to say, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. He's clearly making the distinction that I'm one with the Father. I, yes, I am God. And that's why the Pharisees wanted to kill him. So, would you think that because he said no one could snatch you out, so then you're firm, you're solid, I'm here, nothing's going to happen to you, then we don't need to really pray because it's already a done deal because Jesus said it, right? And he doesn't speak a word in vain. You would think so. But in that, even though there's a promise of per preservation, there is still a commandment to persevere, to continue. He's going to preserve us on His end. We're called to continue, to persevere. It's difficult. It's difficult. 
Sometimes we persevere in working out. Sometimes we persevere just to hit the end of the day, five o'clock, because it's difficult. We persevere in sports and in different things. And I remember one time when I started to try to get a little healthy. I started to run. I started to jog. And I think I made it maybe half a block before I got winded and I had to start walking. But the next day I went again and I didn't quit. And I remember it was about a week and a half later that I was able to run half of the distance. We're talking two miles. I could run about a mile, then I had to walk the rest. But then one time I remember that I started to persevere because I hit that one mile mark and I said, okay, I hit the one mile mark and I looked ahead and I saw a street sign. I said, let me just make it to that street sign. And, I, and, and then I'll stop and I'll walk. But let me just persevere to that point. And I ran and I made it to that street sign. I said, if I made it here, I can make it some more. So I looked at another street sign and let me continue to go. And by the time you knew it, I ran the whole two miles. That's the picture of perseverance. See, things come our way and we say, God, just help me, keep me to persevere, Lord, so that I can just continue into the next point. And then the, the next thing comes and it happens. And God, let me continue until the next point. And this is exactly what Jesus is praying. He already said nobody can keep you. But why is he praying for the Father to keep them? Because we have to persevere. And he gives us the strength to persevere. Help me, Lord, to continue in this thing. I mean, this is the final prayer. I mean, he's fixing to be arrested in the garden in the next chapter. He's praying for his beloved. He's praying for those who have believed upon him. So even in the promise of preservation, there remains a commandment to persevere. And see, God is more interested that we observe His commandments. Now in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, remember Jesus talking, and He said that He who endures until the very end, He shall be saved. Not the one who stops halfway, not the one who slows down to walk. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul uh, elated this walk of faith to a race. And so in a race, whenever you slow down, you are already starting to fall behind. You're starting to lose. Someone's going ahead of you. So we endure. It's the same thing. It means to, to continue, to persevere, to tarry, to abide. And of course, he says in verse 15, I do not pray that you should keep them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. I'm not asking you, God, to take them out of this world. Paul, The Apostle Paul said the same thing when he talked about not intermixing with unbelievers or, or, or darkness with light. He said, I'm not telling you to go out of the world. If that was the case, the Lord would just have to take us out the minute we came to faith. But what he's saying is to not be engaging in, in, in the evils of the world. Now, that's actually something difficult. It, it, honestly, in all honesty, if the Lord would take us when we came to faith, that would be the best thing for us. Those of you who have been walking any amount of time in this walk called faith would agree because it's difficult. Because guess what? The temptations come and some are greater than others and we're weaker with some and God, I need your strength. But see, through all of this, what God is doing is he's building a dependency upon our souls that come on him. God, I depend on you, Lord. You are my everything. You're my source. 
That goes back to the importance of, of position. Okay, I recognize you have everything. You contain it that I need it. You can give it. Now I know how to ask for it. And now I'm going to persevere and just wait upon you. So I'm not asking that you would be taken out of the world. But instead that you would be preserved from the evil one. Now, it's not necessarily just kept from the enemy, okay? This is something good to understand because he could keep us as well from the enemy. Probably the story that's going to be the most relatable and understood is Job. Because the Bible says that he was a righteous man and there was none other in the land. But yet look at all the calamity that fell upon him. Did the Lord God keep him from the evil one? No, he didn't. But he kept him in a sense that he gave him strength to persevere through it all. Okay, so that's what God wants to do. He doesn't just want to take us away from it, but he wants to see us through it. Right. He's the one that's in the fire. He's the fourth one in the fire. He's the one that's in the lion's den. He is the one that is always there that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Because the hardships of life, they're they're meant to usher us into the freedoms of eternity. I mean, we're not the only ones that go through difficulties. We go back and back and back, and as a matter of fact, their difficulties probably seemed worse. Because the doctors weren't as advanced back then. Medicine wasn't as advanced. I mean, so many things, technology wasn't as advanced. And so they really suffered. They really went through pain. Today we have uh, medications that help us through our pain. They didn't. But they endure, endured. The things that are hurtful, the things that are uh, annoying, again, the hardships, the things that rub us the wrong way, the things that are thorns in the side, and sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's just the enemy coming at us. Sometimes it's someone trying to be spiteful. But regardless, all those things are meant to bring us into a closer proximity to the God of the universe. And again, when you do that, you depend on Him. Not on anything, not on anyone else, but on God and on God alone. I'm not asking you, God, to take them out of the world. Now, if they really understood at that moment what was, what was to come, all these disciples, they were killed in an excruciating way. Now, if they knew, they probably would have opened their eyes during prayer and turned and looked at Jesus and been like, what, what are you praying? Just go ahead and take me with you. But see, again, it was through faith, but God saw them. As a matter of fact, God gave them enough faith. God gave them enough courage to be able to stand and say, I don't want to die that way because my Lord did just um, do away with me this other way. He gave them the strength to be able to stand there, to be beheaded, to be sawn in two, to be pierced with swords. That is a faith. I've often thought of that at times myself. How easy would it be if somebody came and said, right now, denounce the Lord God, or this is the end? Sometimes it's easier said than done. That's where we need God. Now, we have been following Matthew chapter 6 that has what is titled, uh, and, or many call, the Lord's Prayer, but I've made clear that it's actually a model prayer. Okay, it's not really the Lord's Prayer, but it's a model prayer. Pray like this. Now, 
John 17, that's the Lord's Prayer. That's him actually praying. And we broke it down and they, they line up perfectly. Position, Jesus addressed position in John chapter 17. He addressed the petition and now he is talking about perseverance. You look at the model prayer when he said pray in this manner. The first two verses are Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That is position. God, you're holy. You are in heaven. You're above me. Let your will be done, not mine. That's, that's a position. Petition is give us this day our daily bread and forget us, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We covered that last week. Now it's petition. Now I have a need. Give us the daily bread. And it's not just physical, but it's spiritual. Right? Because Jesus said, man's not going to live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So give us this spiritual food and forgive us our trespasses. Now, today we're talking about perseverance. And that's verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. And he says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's perseverance. Don't lead us, God, into temptation, but keep us, keep us from the evil one. It lines up with what Jesus himself is praying. Now, it raises a question because it says, lead us not into temptation. Does the Lord lead us into temptation? You remember Matthew chapter 4? Jesus announced his ministry. He had barely got baptized, freshly baptized. Matthew chapter 4 says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. For what? To be tempted by Satan himself. It was fasting for 40 days. I mean, that is difficult. And he was tempted by the devil, but he fought back with Scripture. And most of us understand that. So he was led. Does God do it for, is he trying to just be mean? It's these temptations that he sees us through rather than take us away that help us to stand strong. Sometimes we don't understand what he's doing, but then there comes a time where we understand exactly what he's doing. I mean, if anybody trains or exercises, you know it. I mean, how all this training, all this... All, all this uh, this, these calisthenics, all these things that you do, they're not fun, but they're definitely important when you step into the ring. Because anybody who hasn't trained for boxing or for wrestling, just get in the ring and see how they're going to tear you apart. But the key behind all of that is what does it create in them? Endurance. I mean, is there anyone in here that could go 12 rounds in a boxing ring? Not me. I can't. I'd probably go about 30 seconds, and I'll be breathing heavy. But it creates an endurance, a stamina. Now I can go. Yes, you stop, you take a breather, and then here, let's go again, and you continue. And that's basically the picture that we see in life when things come our way, is we step into the ring, and these temptations, these fights, and okay, but I have endurance, I have stamina. Why? Because I've been persevering with God. I'm abiding in Christ, and now I have stamina. He gives me the strength. And as I've said before, there's battles, but we, uh, uh, the, the victory belongs to God. Sometimes we do lose battles, but we don't lose the war. 
Because if we're in Christ, we are already victorious. Now, all this week in my devotional time, I've been reading up in the book of Judges. And I see an importance of that and perseverance because when Moses was leading the children of Israel into uh, the promised land, they went to cross the Jordan and they made it to that point. Of course, they were, other people weren't allowed to go in because of their unbelief. But God told Moses, tell these people that when, when they do go into the promised land, I'm commanding them that they drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Get rid of them, men, women, children, drive them out. Why? Because if you don't do that, they're going to be a thorn in your side and they're going to be an irritant to your eye. And to go furthermore, if you don't do that, I'm going to do to you what I wish to do to them. It's a command from God. And when you continue to read on through the book of Joshua, they would go in there, the tribes, and they would fight and they would win, but they would not drive the inhabitants out. And some of them started to live with the inhabitants together. Now you see a spiritual significance of that's what happened. These inhabitants, these are the temptations of the world. These are the things of the world that bring us the little the angers and the frustrations and, and all these things that we're, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I get frustrated, but it's, it's all right. I don't need to drive it out of my soul and get rid of it. And God's saying, drive it out. Why? Because it's going to be an irritant to your eye. If you've ever had anything in your eye, that is very, very discomforting. And now we can see a lot of discomfort that starts to come into our life when we don't drive certain things out. And little by little, they began to take charge. And that is a one big reason, if you just fast forward, that's why this country is in the predicament that it's in. Because they haven't drove certain things out, but instead, they're cohabiting with it. It's okay. They're making, they're making excuses and just saying, it's all right, it's not that big of a deal. When God says, no, it is, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to do to you as I wish to do to them. Now, if that stood for the Israelites, guess what? It still stands for us as well. So it gets to a point when the book of Judges starts that it says that everyone that was from that generation, they passed away. Everybody was gone. There was left a new generation. And guess what? Everybody was doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't know God. Why didn't they know God? Because the generation who passed on from before them had a commandment from God to teach their children these things. Be diligent. Teach them when you sit down, when you rise up, when you're going, when you're coming. And they didn't do it. So guess what? When they moved on, children didn't know God. It doesn't mean they didn't know the name of God. They heard the name of God. No, they didn't have this relationship. They didn't have this faith and this trust. And again, this is exactly what's happening today. We're standing here on Father's Day, okay? Why do you think that families are so under a fa a fire right now? Because the gates of hell know if I can destroy a family, then I have everything where I need it. If I can get fathers to leave, but fathers are supposed to be there to lead and to guide and they teach the children and the woman helps to teach the children and to be diligent. And let's be honest, every single one of us, we haven't been diligent to teach our children. 
that's myself included. I was very convicted this week. Now, all of mine are grown up, and I came to the Lord at a latter age, but we can never stop. We have to continue and, and, and remind them and say, remember the Lord God. Look at everything He's done for us throughout. Since we came to know God, there has been healings, or there has been salvations, there's been deliverances, there's been so many different things. Now, for somebody to tell me that God is not real, uh, you, you can go ahead and step on. Go ahead and kick rocks because that I know that God is real and I know that God is alive and I'm not uh, going to let my children forget that. We have to remind them because every single one of us will be gone one day. There's going to be a new generation. Are they going to know the Lord the way that it looks like right now? It's not. And it's up to us to pass that baton unto uh, the younger generation. What about our children? We taught them, taught them, okay, are they teaching the grandchildren? We have to be diligent. They weren't doing that. So a generation rose up that did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It may not, looked, it may not have looked evil, but anything that's not functioning for the way God made us to function is, is evil in the sight of God. So because of it, God said, okay, now I'm going to give you into the hand of your enemies. I'm going to let them come. They're going to plunder you. They're going to take you. And God would raise up a judge. The judge would come, would deliver the people, and they would live in peace for about 40 years. And then guess what? Again, they would go right back to it. They would forget and go right back to it and go back and read the book of Judges. That's where Samson comes from. And, and they would do it every single time. And God said, I'm doing this. I'm allowing war to come into the land. I'm allowing these difficult things, these, these uh, temptations, because I'm trying to prove you to see if you're going to obey my commandments and follow me. Part of the commandments is trusting God and believing in him. So the Lord allowed all this calamity just to test them, just to prove them, to see if they were going to walk in his ways. And the, st the same still stands true today. God tries us to see if we're going to. He's not doing it to try to be just, uh, to just be ugly like some people think. I mean, say the name of Jesus and it won't be long before somebody says, that's just a fairy tale. Say the name of Jesus uh, when somebody's going to say, oh yeah, that uh, make-believe imaginary friend. Because just the name alone stirs up a lot of emotions and negativity, but there will come a day, whether they believe now or until the day they take their last breath, they will come to the full knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the book of Philippians says, right? So he says, deliver us from the evil one. It's a must that we persist in prayer, which demonstrates a dependency upon God. It was to prove them. It was so that they could see. But instead of persisting, they would forget and they would go right back. They would forget and they would go right back. And I don't think that it is unfamiliar to any of us to know an individual. You can probably think of them in your mind right now. Yep, God did something great for them and they turned around and they went back. Now, it is our calling to call them back into reconciliation with God. But nevertheless, as I said last week, God weighs the heart. People say, God knows my heart. Oh, absolutely he does. He knows your heart better than you know your own heart. As a matter of fact, the book of Jeremiah says that the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things who can think or know it. 
But it doesn't stop in that bad news because God says, when I come to you, I will take out that heart of stone and I will give you a new heart of flesh. So then now you can feel who I am. Now you can walk in my commandments, not because you have to, but because you desire to. Why? Because your life has been transformed. It has been touched. So he said, deliver us from the evil one. Is there anybody in here who finds it easy to fight against the gates of hell? Raise your hand if you think it's pretty easy. It's impossible. We can't do it without God. Now, all throughout these three parts I have been mentioning, I've been going back to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59, remember it says, the Lord's hand is not short that it can't reach out and touch you. His ear is not... Uh, it's, it's not covered up that he can't hear you, but it is because of what? Your iniquities, your transgressions, your sins that have caused his face to be turned away from you. But at the very end of that chapter, chapter 59, verse 20, or verse 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. And he says, this is my covenant with you. Turn away from transgression. That is repentance. And when you turn away from transgression, guess what? You've turned to faith in God. He is this deliverer. He is this redeemer. He says, deliver me from the evil one. Who delivers us? Jesus Christ himself. He is the redeemer. He's talking uh, about himself. I'm the one. Pray to me. Call to me. I will deliver you. I'll see you through it. Oh, we know that real familiar, right? When the enemy comes in like a flood, he comes in like a flood. Sometimes it's a little trickle, but sometimes he comes in like a flood. But it says that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. Well, that standard, biblically speaking at this point, is Jesus Christ. He is the standard. He is the banner. He is Jehovah Nisi. But in our situations, he makes a standard for every single one of our needs. All we have to do is turn from sin and trust in Him. Now He says, those who turn from the transgression, transgression in Jacob. Remember, Jacob was Israel. Whenever he didn't do good, he referred to him as Jacob. Whenever he did well, he referred to him as Israel. Who are we this morning? Are we Jacob or are we Israel? It's a good question to think about. We want to persevere in prayer. This doesn't mean to just ask and ask the same thing and over and over. What it means is continue in prayer. And believe me, your prayers will start to change. You'll start to ask for things you've never asked for before. But what it's doing is it's creating that stamina. The stamina, why? So that when I step into the ring with the gates of hell, they're not going to prevail. The promise is right there, Matthew 16, 18. They're not going to prevail. Why? Because I have been redeemed. I have been delivered. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that no one can pluck me out of his hand. It's a promise. 
So we persevere. It causes us to continue and it gives us that stamina so that we don't give up, so that we don't turn away. Because let's be honest, there's times we all just kind of want to give up. It's too difficult. But here comes God being faithful, as the word says, and he gives us strength. The Bible says that even when we remain faithless, God is still faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. Oh, we might deny him. He's still not going to deny himself. And even in the book of Judges, it says, yet still the Lord sent a judge, even though they were walking in evil. See, that's how merciful God is. That's how generous God is, is that he desires mercy over judgment. I don't want to give judgment. I don't want to proclaim that judgment. But if I have to, I will. And we see the Old Testament that's all that was happening, judgment. And as a matter of fact, uh, I've said it before, I believe that this country is in judgment right now. I believe that the individual who's sitting in office right now is part of the judgment on this country. And what we have to do is we have to turn back and we have to trust on God, not on a man. We have to trust in God. There's a lot of work to do, not just with the conservatives or the Republicans or with the left, but with the right as well. There is a middle way, and his name is Jesus Christ, and that's what he's looking for. But all of these things that happen, all of these things that happen. As a matter of fact, when's the last time that we prayed? And when you find out that last time that it was, was it because there was an extreme need, or was it, God, I just, I just want to thank you right now? Because we're prone to pray when there really is a need. Now, I think every single one of us would be offended if somebody came to us when they just needed something. But see, it should cause us to continue. That perseverance coming to God, stopping what you're doing, coming to God just to say, thank you, God. There's nothing wrong. Nothing happened. But God, I'm just coming to acknowledge who you are. This perseverance, we need it. The same way that these boxers, these marathon runners, they need perseverance or they're going to get smashed every time. We're going to get smashed. When we try to engage in spiritual warfare, we're going to get smashed. We're not going to make it. We need that endurance. We need that perseverance. And God is faithful. He says, look to me, gaze upon me, behold my glory, abide in me. I heard a story several months ago. How true it is, I'm not too sure. I don't even know the origins about it. But it was a story about uh, uh, some fishermen. And they used to fish I guess, at, at, around the Bay Area. And in this area where they would fish, they were also allowed, as soon as they made it uh, back to the docks, to sell their fish on the spot. Now, all these fishermen would go out there and catch. They'd throw them in a bucket. The fish were alive. But by the time they got back to the dock, the fish were already dead. But there was this one fisherman, and when he'd get back to the dock, all of his fish were still alive. And he was selling all of them because they were fresh. They were extremely fresh. Now, finally, one of the other fishermen got a little bit of courage to go find out well, why are his fish staying alive? He's able to sell them, so he's advancing more than we are. What's going on? So he went over and he looked at his, uh, in his bucket and all the fish were there, but he noticed that there was a one different distinct fish in that bucket. And he said, where'd you get that fish from? Why is he in there? Well, 
I don't remember the whole details of it, but apparently that one fish was one of the other fish's greatest enemy. So by him putting him and allowing him in that bucket, guess what? The other fish had to swim for their life. And by them swimming for their life, it caused them to stay alive until they made it over there. Because if they did nothing, if they didn't persevere, then guess what? They were going to be killed. So they stayed alive. They found out the trick. And they started to do the same thing. That's a picture of us. The Lord God allows these things to come. They're not always, per se, ordained by Him. But He allows them. For what? To mean harm to us? No. He loves us but to keep us to persevere so we can keep moving, so that we can keep fighting, we can keep persevering, we continue, and we have this stamina. Now, of course, He delivers us out of all of that. We don't end up being sold like the fish, but we've already been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. But the perseverance is something that we all want to see when it comes to prayer. Prayer is vital. I've often said if we don't have a life of prayer in Christianity, then we're, we're, we're missing a whole lot. It's like a marriage without a communication. And many of us have been in that. That little silent treatment, it's not good. It's not fun. But when you can communicate, same thing with our children. When our kids can talk to us, regardless of of. of you know, what the situation is, but they know I can go and confide and talk to them. There's a lot there. That's our communication with God. Talking to God, it shows Him that, God, I need you. I'm dependent upon you. I trust in you. I recognize you for who you are. And then God begins to respond in the ways that He does. But we can't do that without perseverance. I talk to people all the time. And they're being swallowed up because they cannot persevere. They can't persevere. And see, that's the job of the church is to train up the church to be equipped to persevere. Now, they can't make anybody do anything. But if anybody is in Christ, that's their number one desires. I need to persevere. It's vital. Um, our eternal lives depend on it. Why? Because Jesus said, only those who endure until the very end, those shall be saved. So it's something for us to really think about throughout this week. The perseverance. Some of you may be in it. Great. Let's go share it with someone else, that perseverance. But it's always not just with words, but with our actions as well. Because actually people sometimes don't care about how much we say, but they care more about what they see. And if it doesn't line up, then... Go talk to someone else because I ain't trying to hear it. But when it lines up, well, you got all of their attention. So God will always make a way. All we have to do is continue to strive after Him. He is the Redeemer. And we persevere. Why? Because He did. Can we persevere? Of course we can. But it's just it's really bad right now. Doesn't matter. It hurts a lot. It, it, it doesn't matter. But I'm so angry and, and, and I could do that. It doesn't matter. 
Because if Jesus could endure all the humiliation, endure all of the pain, endure every single thing that he did, then guess what? We can endure everything that may come our way. I've often said it before, we might come out of that fire and we might look like hell. But guess what? I might even smell like I'm burned, but I'm not burned. Why? Because the Lord sustained me. That only happens through perseverance. And only those who are in Christ will be able to persevere. So this morning, do you have that perseverance? If you don't, my suggestion is follow after it. Cry out for it. Because without it, we're still a helpless, pathetic people. As bad as it might sound. That's what the Bible says. But God is faithful. All we have to do is call out to him. And he's near to save. Let's pray. Father, God, as we look at our extreme example of what it is to persevere, we know that there is none other greater example than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I know, God, sometimes we have faced things that seems like we will never see the sun rise again. But Lord, we're not called to walk according to what we feel, according to what we see, but we actually walk by faith. Faith means those things that we cannot see, the things that we hope for, and ultimately that is salvation. And the only one that can give it is you, God. So Lord, may we not be occupied with looking at things that are shiny, things that are loud, things that are colorful. But may we just continuously look to you, the one who is beautiful. Father, help us in our transgressions. Help us in our backslidings, Lord, the turning away. God, we don't need you to send a judge to come rescue us because you already came and you died on the cross. Father, the prize is there. All we have to do is desire it, long for it, yearn for it, call out to you, God. That is repentance, Lord. So, Father, we ask you that this morning you would bid us to come if we haven't came. And, God, if we have, that you would give us this a great blessing uh, of help in endurance, Lord, to continue in prayer, in faith, in you, Lord. Yes, some days are tired, some are weary. They seem like they're never going to get here. The clock seems like it's taking long. But, Father, you live outside of time. You hold time in your hands. Until uh, you reunite, reunite us with you and we stand before your glory, help us to fight this fight that we call faith so that you and you alone could be glorified. But God, without you, we can't do it. Help us to be wise, to call out to you, and help us to trust that when we do, you will answer us. Father, we thank you, God, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.